0: Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, overseeing our tosic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm excited to welcome Dr. Brian Ballwell, chairman of the Cleveland Clinic Tosic Cancer Institute to the podcast. He's here today to discuss time to treat, Brian, tell me a little bit about your role here at Cleveland Clinic.
1: Number one, thanks for having me on this. I appreciate the opportunity. I've I've been uh, chairman of the Tauzy Cancer Institute for close to 11 years, and I also am director of executive physician leadership for uh, the Cleveland Clinic.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks for joining. So to start, we're going to be talking about time to treat. So what is time to treat?
1: Time to treat is defined as the interval between the date of a diagnosis of cancer, and the initial treatment. The initial treatment is frequently surgical to remove a solid tumor, um, but it also can be radiation therapy or um, infusional therapy, which we used to call chemotherapy, but these days is is probably even more often immunological therapy or genomic-based therapy.
0: So certainly time to treatment is sort of captured uh, everyone's uh, attention nationally, and it's a, a top priority here at Cleveland Clinic. So how did this really be something that you became so interested in, and, and why is it so important here at Cleveland Clinic?
1: Well, we were trying to, to launch what we call cancer programming about 10 years ago. So what we wanted to do is make every disease-based entity um, such as colon cancer or breast cancer, have the physicians involved in caring for patients with those diseases act as a true team, a program, a unit. And in order to do that, we thought it was important that there were uh, initiatives that, that each program had that would be useful to work on, such as developing tumor boards that were accessible not just for physicians on our main campus downtown, but were accessible uh, to all of our physicians uh, treating these diseases in the region. We, we really wanted to make the programs uh, real because when I actually took over the cancer center um, 11 years ago, we had a wonderful group of clinicians, but, but the idea of working collectively as a team was kind of in its infancy. It really wasn't very well developed. About the same time, I actually didn't know what time to treat was, Dale, but, but I learned about it. Um, through a couple of different means, and, and what caught my attention was that time to treat in the United States was actually getting worse by the year, and it was worse of all in, in the famous academic cancer centers that, that are in the U.S. News and World Report, Top 20, Top 30, etc., um, I was kind of appalled that that our peers, that, that cancer centers like ours, had an average time to treat of six weeks or longer. And and one of my my visions for the cancer center was always to to kind of walk in the shoes of a patient. And and boy, if you're a new patient with cancer, and you know we know that these people have one primary emotion, and that's that they're scared, and that they have fear and anxiety. Uh, waiting six weeks to get treated is just going to make all that worse. And so that seemed to be a good thing for our program effort, our cancer program effort to work on. And then the corollary to that was, we were wondering if this potential delay actually could affect survival. Because one of the initial pushbacks that we heard was, yeah, it's a long time, but it doesn't really affect survival. And so I actually never liked that argument for for a couple reasons. One is I wanted to find out back then if it can affect survival, and it turns out that in some cancers it does. But more importantly, the people who said, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter, totally flunked the integrity test. And so if one of their immediate relatives have cancer, I guarantee they're not going to be satisfied waiting for six weeks to get initial treatment. They're going to do everything they can because they're a physician to try to get their first degree relative treated quicker. So if they're going to do that for their relatives, then they should do that for everybody, whether they're a relative or not, whether they're person of means or whether they have nothing, because we want to give everybody great care. So those are the reasons why Time to Treat kind of got my attention and, and why it became really important to me.
0: I mean, when you, you sort of take a step back and you figure six weeks, that, that really is appalling. You know, like you say, everyone that comes in, they want it taken out two weeks ago. To think about yeah. six weeks is, is is a little crazy. So from a patient standpoint, I mean, we're very patient-centric. What, what do you think has been the biggest impact in, in addressing this with patients, and what does this mean to them?
1: Well, I think there's a couple things, Dale. So one of the things that, that we're really concerned about is access in general, and I think that time to treat is a very important component of access. We pride ourselves at the Cleveland Clinic Cancer Center of having the best access of any major cancer center in the United States and probably the world. And we do that because we pay attention to it every day and we have our own team of people to make sure that that we can get people in as quickly as we can and that we can get their records so that when people do show up, that we can actually have a useful visit. Um, And of course, these days now, um, since since everything's happened with the coronavirus, uh, we have some visits that are virtual and that sometimes is very useful too, but... Access is a really big deal. And so, again, if you're a patient, the first thing to do is to see a doc because, um, number one, you need to have a treatment plan. You need to know that somebody's there for you, that they're going to try to do everything they can to help, to establish rapport, to generate trust. I think the trust is really important in everything we do in oncology. And then once once you know you get people in and you start a relationship and they meet a physician, then it's just incredibly important, from a patient perspective, to do things quickly. And delays are just no fun for anybody. I mean, you're not too many people like to wait in lines for anything. But but people, when they have newly diagnosed cancer, um, are uniformly incredibly scared. But also they tend to they tend to imagine things that may or may not be true that that could, these catastrophic things, what happens if X, Y, or Z happens. Plus it's not uncommon that they get advice from people that may be ill advised. And, And I just think that all the patient really wants is to get things taken care of as soon as possible by somebody who's really good at what they do. And so we're really good at what we do here. And so the idea of trying to speed up time to treat, seem to be a pretty good idea especially given that when we looked at our own data initially we weren't very much better than anybody else our, our time to treat was 39 days which is pretty close to six weeks so we certainly had opportunities for improvement and and to your point the driver is it's the right thing to do for patients
0: so how have we managed to have some of these reductions so we've certainly had some successes and so what, what are some examples of things we've been able to do to to make that happen
1: well, the first thing we did was, was realize that, that each, each cancer program was a little different. And so there were some things that we could try to, to do across all programs, but it was important that each program started to dive into the work um, as a program. And so one of the byproducts of that is it certainly generated a sense of team, which is very good. For some programs, we used some modern business tools such as value stream mapping Um, To actually identify all access points for patients. So, for colon cancer, this gets very complicated because we do endoscopies at so many different sites within the enterprise. But it was important to try to identify them all to try to identify what the potential bottlenecks were. For lung cancer, it turned out that that the key point that we needed to pay attention to was the bronchoscopy suite. Then we socialize these. Dale, we we have a cancer center executive committee and and. And for most of the past few years, um, it, it met every other night, and we would share best practices. We talked about time to treat a lot. Of course, we had to measure it. That's number one, and and unfortunately, it's not easy to measure prospectively, but we we came up with a way to measure it retrospectively, and and we socialized number one what the data was, and number two, you know, approaches to try to make it better. So, um, you know the. There's different time intervals, right? There's a time interval from hearing about a patient to actually getting them to see a doc. There's a time interval for from seeing a doc to getting them to the operating room. Uh, one of the, the bigger wins was the breast cancer program started to assign patients to surgeons with operating room availability as opposed to surgeons with clinic availability because the key was to get them to the OR, OR meaning the operating room for their initial surgery. And things like that, you know, we, we we socialized and and we resourced it too, Dale. The Cancer Center actually pays for four program managers that that help assist with all sorts of operational things, including time to treat. And we also hired a bunch of navigators, which which was also important because one of the keys for me was to reduce outliers. So when I first got this job, it, it was really disheartening to hear a handful of stories about patients who got lost in the system and wound up waiting very long times to get any sort of treatment. And I didn't want that to happen anymore. And so we hired a bunch of navigators to try to make sure that nobody got lost in the system and also to try to deal with what we call outliers, which are people who seem to be waiting a really long time to get anything done. And we defined outliers as, as people waiting more than 45 days to get their, their first treatment. And we paid a lot of attention to them, and, and happily, we've been able to drive down the number of outliers dramatically in the past five to seven years. We also learned some, that some things are hard. And, and so one of the harder things is that it's, it's, it's not as easy to, to shorten the time to treat of somebody who has a diagnosis done externally, as opposed to somebody who has a diagnosis done within our health system, um, because there's a certain time lag for pathology review, but, you know, it's important to manage them as well. So we identified a lot of bottlenecks. We identified a lot of opportunities. And we generated, I think, a lot of momentum. And, and we were able to ultimately, if you look at it across the entire cancer center, across all the programs, we we're able to drive down time to treat by 33%, which, which we're, we're pleased about. We'd, we'd always see opportunities for improvement. But getting it down from 39 days to 26 days was a win.
0: Yeah, that's pretty impressive, Brian. It's, and certainly, it, it has taken a lot of effort, and the programming meetings have certainly been helpful. It's uh, it's been great to have, you know, the surgeons and the radiation oncologists and the medical oncologists and administration, everyone all in a room and talking about the issues and opportunities. So that's that's really helped out a lot. When when we think about further barriers, there's there's certainly a finite amount of time that. That has to take place and there's certainly things like getting insurance authorizations for staging scans and things like that what, what do you think are the next big barriers that we need to tackle to to optimize this
1: well i think you mentioned one of them dale i think that insurance pre-authorization is a, a necessary challenge i'd like to think that at some point going forward the healthcare system in the united states will evolve in a positive way. And one of those positive ways is I think we need more collaboration between the insurance companies and and the providers, uh, such as cancer centers. Um, I, I think that for reasons that I don't really understand, it seems that the insurance companies love the way the healthcare economic system works, and they're making an awful lot of money right now when when a lot of the rest of the healthcare ecosystem is is struggling, and so I think that there are real opportunities for more collaboration. You know, one of the things that's pretty important these days, uh, especially if somebody's not a surgical candidate, is getting genomic analysis of a tumor. And so I think that there's a certain lag time to do that, and I think there's opportunities to to accelerate that one as well. I think we can always do better with with efficiency for getting people into the operating room. The other thing is, the more we can act as a system, the more likely we can continue to make progress. Some of our biggest challenges are when we're interacting with physicians outside of our healthcare organization in our region, and and just kind of educating them and getting them on board that this is a very important initiative for all concerned, but especially for the patients. So I think that there's. There's many opportunities, but I think that the real key is to maintain uh, the momentum and maintain the passion for the work because every patient who goes down this journey and starts it is really important. It's really important for us to try to take care of them in the best way that we possibly can. And, and, And I think time to treat is one pretty essential way to do that.
0: So you mentioned uh, passion for the work, and, and Brian, I know leadership is a really, really important topic that you address a lot. There's a lot of moving parts, as you mentioned, with time to treat, and I think that one thing that we've done really well is get everyone to work well together, and and so everyone does really seem to be very engaged and enthused. And what do you think has been the biggest sort of win, and and how did you go about getting the level of engagement, the level of really making this a priority? Because I think everyone has really taken this um, to be a, a goal. So how, how do you think that you managed to pull that off? And, and maybe how can others sort of do a similar thing for their patients?
1: Well, I believe in in the concept called serving leadership or servant leadership, in which, which has many different components. It, it's got one fundamental set, which is kind of to upend the pyramid which basically means that my job is to is to set a vision hire really good people and then support them give them whatever they need to succeed uh, remove barriers if there's political barriers that need to be addressed i need to be the one to address them and then when success is achieved um let them receive the credit for it and then the corollaries are is leadership is about character. Leadership development and character development are the same. And so honesty and transparency are essential. All this kind of happened as I was trying to come up with my own vision for our cancer center. And this became one of the key parts of, of, of our vision for, for the Tauza Cancer Institute it was was, you know, we have to walk the walk. We can't just talk about stuff. And and if we really care about patients and we really think that we're a very patient-centric organization, our slogan is patients first, we have to make that real. And so Time to Treat became part of a vision. And if you're a leader, one thing you have to do is you have to talk about that vision over and over and over again. I mean, I write essays on the topic. One of the essays is about the art of preaching, that, that you've got to just become somewhat of a zealot about, you know, what the goal is. I think the other thing, though, is that wins wins generate wins. And, and the more we, we started to see success, the more people got engaged and said, wow, this is really cool. And another line that I really like is great teams are a magnet for great talent. And so a lot of people wanted to join. I mean, when we first started the Cancer Center Executive Committee meetings at night, you know, we had about seven people show up. And now it's pretty routine that we have over 50. And, and I think that's because, you know, once you have a bunch of great people who are committed to a goal, and and they start to see success, it's fun, it's fun to be part of that. And you want to be part of it, because it's meaningful work, it's important work. And, and you're, you're succeeding, and and you're, you're achieving, you know, goals that are really good, and, and they're, they're important. And so, you know, I think that's all part of it. And, I think there's a lot of corollaries, right? I mean, I think that we we have to generate a, a place where people feel free to speak and create psychological safety for it. We have to try to engage people in the room. Not everybody's an extrovert. Some people are introverts. But, boy, I think that the real key is to, is to articulate the vision. And, boy, when you see results and when you generate success and, and you're working side by side with people who you really like and admire – that's pretty rewarding, and and that makes coming to work fun. and And so I think all of these things were, were part of it, Dale. Uh, and and we're not there. I mean, this is still a work in progress, uh, uh, but but they all add up. and it's actually kind of gratifying to hear from especially the surgeons who aren't they're not direct reports to me, but but they really enjoy the work and they, they very much enjoy you know working on on time to treat.
0: What part of this are you most proud of?
1: Well, I'm always most proud of the people, Dale. I mean, I think that we've been able to add an awful lot of really good people um, within the cancer center and people who work in other institutes who are part of the cancer center. I'm very proud that we we got the organization to to start to focus on time to treat. So, I mean, it was a concept that nobody else at the Cleveland Clinic really knew much about. Now, I think it's pretty common in, in the within our organization. And then we tried to make a national, you know, we've published our results and we've shown that, as I said earlier, that, you know, for some diseases, time to treat actually does influence survival. And And I'd like to think that we've made a part of the national dialogue. I'm, I'd actually like to see it uh, a bigger part of the national dialogue, because I think it's really important, but I think it started. And I think that that's, that's a good thing too. But at the end of the day, you do things because it's the right thing to do. Having values like, like integrity and honesty sound good, but you've got to live them. You can't just say them. And I'm very proud that collectively as a group, I think we live those values. I mean, clearly this is a very, very important
0: topic and, and initiative. And, and so I guess as a final question, what advice would you give to, to other physicians that may be listening to other institutions that, that they try to set upon this? Like what sort of uh, guidance would you give to them in terms of how to get this started?
1: Well, I think number one is you start with with the vision and you've got to have people who say, yeah, it's important and let's let's dive in and do the work. And so if, if you can get that, that initial buy-in, that's, that's step one. And then I think step two is that you've got to resource it. I mean, you've got to help docs out. They can't schedule a meeting on, on their own. So you've got to have some project managers to lend a hand and to kind of do a lot of operational things. And then I think you've got to generate the teams. I think that, you know, you've got to create a spirit of a, of a program. So you've got stakeholders from surgery, from radiation, from medical oncology, from, from nursing, from, from imaging, from whatever, all participating as a group. And then you could see wins pretty quickly. I think that for most cancer centers, if their average time to treat is something like 44 days, there are probably some relatively low-hanging fruit to generate some initial wins, and once you get those wins, then things really start to go forward in a very positive way. Because again, people enjoy working on meaningful work um, that's that's generating success. If you can do those things, uh, I think anybody can do this work. But boy, you've got to stay committed, and you've got to have a passion for it. Well,
0: that's that's really great. And It's it's.
1: Uh... It's great that
0: you've gotten this all put together and and the patients are are truly benefiting from it. So, so thanks a lot for being with us today and uh, discussing this important topic.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Dale.
0: This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash cancer advances podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify,